Holy God, you call us to righteousness and light as we study your word and teach us so that we may love your children even as you do and love you with all our will and strength and find freedom in serving you as taught to us in word and in deed by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the 10th chapter of Luke. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what's written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... While traveling came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an end, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. People love stories. Now, sometimes, sometimes stories are told in song. <clears throat> For example, Come and listen to my story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some food, and up through the ground came a bubbling crude. Oh, well, that is black gold, Texas tea. That theme from the Beverly Hillbillies is a story people still remember from 1962. Or there's a 1964 song that starts, Just sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip. <laughs> it goes on to describe 
have the captain, the mate, and the passengers of the SS Minnow sailed out on a three-hour cruise only to become stranded in a remote place we all call Gilligan's Island. We love stories and songs and movies and books, and we love stories in the Bible, even in age when people know less and less about the Bible and care less for it. It remains true that the stories that Jesus told are the best known stories in the world. The story of the Good Samaritan is more than a way to say, help strangers in need. As one scholar put it, this is a story for people who recognize that we're on a journey, not just a journey from womb to tomb, but from birth to rebirth, from partial life to abundant life. The gospel proclaims what God pours into the hearts of all those who journey in a dangerous world. You know, one way to interpret parables is to see them as allegories, that is, to use them as extended metaphor stories in which each element or each character represents something. Famous theologians like Augustine and Luther and Calvin have done, they've taken that very approach. But you know, I'm a retired psychologist. So the approach that appeals to me is to ask, who do you identify with in this story? Of course, because the Samaritan is the hero of the story, we would like to identify with him. But if we're honest, we might admit that we're a lot more like the folks who pass by on the other side, doing nothing, nothing to help the person in need. And maybe, maybe some days we feel like the person in the ditch, robbed of what was valuable, beaten down by ruthless people, ignored by people we think, you'd think would lend a hand. The stories Jesus told as parables often have a twist, a surprise, something you would not predict, you would not expect. Well, for example, remember that parable of the lost sheep? And you just tell me, what parable with any good sense would leave 99 sheep and go looking for one lost sheep? No reasonable person would do that, but that parable tells us that Almighty God loves each and every one of us and that impractical, exceedingly extravagant way. In the parable we're looking at today, it was no surprise that a traveler from Jerusalem to Jericho might get robbed and beaten and left in the ditch. It was a dangerous road. And things like that happened all the time. It was a little surprising that neither the priest nor the Levite paid much attention to that hapless, naked, robbed victim. But what was startling is the person who helped him was a Samaritan. For you and me to get a grip on the meaning of the parable, it's not so important for us to know that all the historical details about the bad feelings between Jews and Samaritans. What is important is to think about who would be the Samaritans 
for you and me today? What group of people, what kind of person would you and I just hate to see coming off the road to help us out of the ditch? Well, this year they might be wearing the t-shirt or have the bumper sticker on their car for the candidate we don't like at all. <laughs> Most of us have groups of people or certain kinds of people we don't care for, we don't relate to. We don't associate with some groups. Some groups we see as them and not as us. So what keeps us from helping? What keeps us from helping when we see need? For that matter, what keeps us from seeing need? Fear can stop us. What if that person's faking? What if it's some sort of trap? Something to catch the unwary. I do remember reading a story about some, a couple of women who would fake car trouble and then rob the Good Samaritans who stopped to help them. We do have to have that common sense caution. As Jesus told the disciples in Matthew, I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Another factor that can keep us from helping is we're busy. Social psychologists did a study of students at a seminary some years ago some of the students were asked to go to a building next door and do a little talk on, guess what, the Good Samaritan. Others were asked to go do a talk on occupations. Some of them were told they were, they're, oops, you're already running late. And some were not. On the short walk to the building next door, you know what happened, each student encountered a shabbily dressed person slumped by the side of the walk, groaning. Guess what? The results showed that it did not matter at all whether these seminary students said they were going into ministry to help people. It did not matter whether they were asked to talk about the Good Samaritan or just about occupations. What did matter is whether they thought they were running late. In the group that thought they had plenty of time, 63% of these seminary students stopped to help the man. But the hurried group, only 10%. Sometimes we don't help because we're in too big of a hurry. Another reason we don't help is we don't perceive the need. When we focus on our own needs, so intensely, we're just not alert to the needs of others. Another reason we don't help is we don't like the person in need. Perhaps they're grumpy. Maybe they don't seem like the kind of person that's going to say, please and thank you. Or maybe it looks to us like somehow they brought that problem on themselves kind of like the hapless traveler on the Jericho Road. The fourth chapter of Mark tells us how, how much Jesus taught by using 
parables, stories. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything to his disciples. Ah, but there's the rub in it. Luke's gospel does not include some private explanation to the disciples or for us of how to interpret this parable of the Good Samaritan. There's just the parable about helping the poor guy in the ditch and the question from Jesus, which of these was the neighbor? And of course the lawyer said, the one who showed mercy. And then Jesus said, go and do likewise. The goal of being the loving neighbor is not a destination you and I can get to if we start off from the wrong place. We're in the wrong place when we say, me and mine first, and too bad about the rest of you. We're in the wrong place when we say, I ain't helping you, you should have known better. We're in the wrong place when we let our biases and excuses build a tall, impenetrable fence between us and human need. We're in the wrong place when we say, maybe if you looked and talked a little more like me, I might be inclined to help you. We're in the wrong place when we pray, Lord, I know you love everybody, but Lord, I got my limits. And we're in the wrong place when we say, I feel for you, buddy, I really do, but don't expect me to do nothing. Remember, what prompted Jesus to tell that parable of the Good Samaritan was a question from a lawyer. And when the lawyer wanted to quibble about exactly who the neighbor was, who qualified, he did what we sometimes do. He rationalized not taking action, not doing the loving thing. And Jesus shifted the question from who qualifies to be my neighbor, the little question to what behavior qualifies as loving in the way that God loves, in the way that God wants us to love. Jesus took the lawyer's little question and moved the topic to the big question. As much as we're inclined to, as much as we sometimes want to, we cannot really call ourselves faithful followers of Jesus Christ if we go around dividing the world into two groups, them and us. It's just us. Jesus told us to love God and neighbor, and he's told us that all, every single one of God's children, all of them are our neighbors. So notice how the Samaritan saw need and responded. And remember that Jesus had told us, go and do likewise. Thanks be to God. Go out into the world in peace. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Today, may you do something that matters, trusting that you're wrapped in the arms of our gracious God, whose number one rule is love.
Now may God bless the food that has been prepared for us, the hands that prepared it, and the fellowship we enjoy together. Amen.